Hey besties, it's Tina, Karen, and Jules here. Tools down, time to chat work, life, well-being, and relationships. You're listening to Let's, Let's Take, Take It, it Offline. Off Welcome back to another episode of Let's Take It Offline. I know it's been a while and we want to give you a bit of an update on what's been happening in our lives because I'm sure you want to hear all about it. Some of us have been working really hard. Some of us have been gone on holiday. Some of us are doing all sorts of stuff, but we'll give you an update and a bit of a check in a second. This week's episode is all about imposter syndrome in the workplace. It's something that us three have wanted to talk about for a long time. It's always been very topical at work, but I think it's regardless of whether, you know, you're in a role that you've been in for a while or you're starting a new role, there's always this element of, I'm racing against the clock for a project or I feel like I'm not good enough. Oh, what if someone else is doing this presentation and they do it better than me? So we want to unpack that because I think we've all been through it and we can share a lot of our experiences too. Anyhow, before we get onto the meaty, juicy topics, Tina, what have you been up to? God, that was a strong call, roll call. Yes, I'm here, miss. Where have I been? Gosh, I was in Europe for six weeks. Oh, no, sorry, four and a half weeks. Came back to Australia and then went on a work trip for a week. So now it's been about six weeks. Who approved, who approved that? Who approved that? Four and a half weeks to six weeks Yeah, no, it's... Well, I was very fortunate to actually be able to go and work in Paris and Amsterdam for a week because we have a global policy where you can actually go and work from any office in the world for weeks in the year. So that was really lucky. And yeah, so I got to go and check out the offices. I was meant to go to Morocco for 12 days, but that didn't work out because very sadly there was an earthquake that killed quite a few oh, people. Yeah. Big earthquake. Oh, yeah, that was crazy, and, right? Um, Glad you are still with us and here and safe yeah so that all happened like a day and a half before i was supposed to fly out from amsterdam to casablanca so stay in amsterdam went on to london and then spain and then france so it's been yeah it was an amazing trip and it was great to get to spend summer in europe Mm. and came back a bit Mm. of spontaneity yeah for sure and then yeah, Morocco is going back on my list. I mm. thought this year I could actually finally take off Africa because I really want to do all five continents. But unfortunately, that didn't work out. So I'm sure there was a reasoning behind that timing. Yeah. Trust the universe. But also felt very lucky that I completely missed out on the earthquake and I'm safe and my family is very much relieved. So, yeah. yeah. Timing Happy was good. Timing was good on that one. That's I right. You get imagine if you were there. And yeah, it would have been crazy. But I also, I think timing is good because you know, obviously, you've got things looking out for you out there. A hundred percent. That's exactly how I felt, and everyone was telling me someone is watching out for you, Tina. And I a hundred percent feel that way. So, yeah. And then got back, and last week went to first South by Southwest, hosted anywhere outside the world in Sydney, Australia. So that was great to see a lot of different interesting topics. I went to see one about quantum computing. I went to see one about psychedelics and mental health. 
I went to see one about investing in health tech, which is something I'm really interested and passionate about. So great week all around. Good to be back in the action. Awesome. Great to hear and back with a brilliant golden tan if you could all see. Um, <laughs> Karen, what about you? What's been happening in your world? Oh, gosh. Big Where do news. I start? Where do you begin? I'm just so happy we're back together recording after so long. Oh, I hope our listeners missed us. Yeah. I've, I've <laughs> actually been asked like what we're doing for this episode. So. Yeah, I know, right? Interesting one. Mm. Um, yeah, so much has happened. My goodness. Remember that episode we recorded about redundancies in the tech industry? Oh, wow. So it's still, like, yeah. Yeah, so that actually happened to my team and there were some changes to the reorging and everything. So I was impacted by that. Luckily, I didn't have to like be out of a job, but that actually gave me the kick I needed to... Mm look for something I've really been wanting to do for ages, which is to work overseas. So through that process, like it was like the universe was giving me a kick up the butt. Mm-hmm. I'm actually moving to London. Oh, my goodness. She's breaking up I'm the trio. I have no idea how we're going to... This trio know. will never be broken. <laughs> we will just be global now. Tears. Yeah. <laughs> we have a correspondent from the UK, exactly. from London. How I'll exciting. A, a European perspective. But yeah, I'm going to be moving there with work. Amazing. So, I'm going to be joining the startups team there, which I'm super excited about. So um, we have two people working in the startup world. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like glad to be working with like faster moving organizations. Oh. <laughs> 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 nothing, nothing. We love enterprises and corporates. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> but I think it was, it's good to be learning a different industry. So I'm going to be moving very soon. I'm going to really miss you girls but i'll be back and like i said we will miss you this trio will never be broken yeah we haven't quite figured out exactly how we're going to coordinate this podcast logistically but we will figure out a way the world is your oyster and i think if anything COVID has taught us that we can do anything you know whether it's working from home or yeah you'll just have a bigger reason to come to europe and visit now for holidays i have been saving my points i have been saving my Qantas points (laughs) and racking that up so but can i just say kudos to karen for really following her dreams she we've been talking about this for a while now she always wanted to do this and covid kind of threw a span in the works for her but yeah finally realizing her dreams and mm. on to bigger things for karen hopefully bigger things but you will learn sure. so much you will learn yeah. you will love life you will experience so much it's you know if anything i think my even for myself when i moved to london i learned a lot about yeah not just the world but about me yeah um so 100%. and also i actually learned to appreciate home mm. I mean, everyone has different perspective. And so Mm. I think whatever your perspective, I mean, we'll be here waiting for when you come back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm trying to convince Tina to join me now. But like, (laughs) okay, so I'm going to be here. uh, Waiting, right here waiting. I'll be waiting. (laughs) I'll be holding the fort. And yes. Yeah. So awesome, Um, girls. That's really brilliant news. I'm really happy for you. Thanks, Jules. But yeah, I think I'm very close with my family. So I think that I'm going to really miss that. And obviously, I've made some amazing friends that are like family now too. So having to build a new network is a bit crazy. 
It's um, part of the fun. It's part yeah. of the fun. But also because of that, I also froze my eggs in like oh, the last that's month. Right. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, she's got I, some babies on ice now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> potential babies. Potential, potential little me's on ice. But I actually did that because of this podcast. It's crazy. I got inspired by yeah. that episode that we did. I remember mm. when we were planning for that episode with Dr. Tiani. If you recall, if you're original listener, you remember our episode with one of the doctors from IVF Australia. And mm-hmm. at that point in time, I think Jules was very much convicted about getting her babies on ice. And I was like... <laughs> I'd already gone to her, right? Yeah, already, that's right. You were we, the catalyst of right, that episode. Yeah. And then I was thinking about it. But then Karen was like, I don't think it's for me. I was a but, skeptic. you know, I would give it a go. And maybe coming in from a perspective of someone who doesn't believe in it or who doesn't necessarily want to do it. Mm. And then six months later, here we are. I yeah. it's crazy. I'm so glad that we did that episode. Like you said, I, I actually was thinking about like, I was like, I'm still young-ish. I, <laughs> I have a few years left. But yeah, it just like it just happened to be the right time to do it. So yeah, puts it I into, did. I think, perspective as well because it doesn't matter how young you are. It's all about the quality of your eggs when it's been extracted. And if, you know, whether you have a partner or not and whether kids, it's the options that are available to you if, anything changes 100 percent, yeah so and now i'm also looking forward to doing my process next month so we have little baby me's on ice yeah is it so i mean we'll unpack this in another episode as well probably but it's always interesting the for me anyway the injecting yourself in the needles was just so squeamish for me me i remember having to get my mom to do it and when my mom wasn't available i literally like stared at it for yeah like like your mind right your mind is just like i can inject myself i mean kudos to all the diabetes out there yeah every every single day but anyhow all right how about you you Mm. haven't done your update i almost forgot about myself for a second there didn't i (laughs) i wasn't gonna let you do (laughs) oh i've just been working but also when i say working part of my job at the moment is i have the luxury of traveling a lot, whether it's interstate, internationally. So that's mm. been taking a toll a Are little you bit. Enjoying it? I'm enjoying it, but you know when you, you're traveling for work and you just when you come back, you kind of just want to go, I just need to do nothing. Mm. And that's the mode I've been in. But other than that, I've just been, yeah, just been traveling a lot for work and that's been taking up a lot of my time. And so now I just came back from a U.S. trip, got to see New York for the first time ever, even oh. though that was only two days, but, you know, that definitely. That was first time in New York. I know. So we I saw will, lots of selfies. I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to take my photo for me. So no, no I'm one's going to take it. Myself. I'm going to do it myself. And I was here, by the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was good. I really enjoyed it and want to definitely go back. And by the way, I had not even kidding guys the best ramen in my life oh in my life in In new york York. in new york it was seriously i'm salivating thinking about it it was so good i drank the whole thing (laughs) i even drank the the stock the soup it was that good so who were they maybe we can get them as a sponsor now (laughs) yeah there's a it's a restaurant called tonchin ramen in new york it's close to times square anyway it was just like 
I can't even explain how good it okay. was. It was orgasmic. I'm getting, I'm getting hungry now. Getting hungry. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's move on to what we're actually here to talk about. So hopefully we gave you a bit of an update of what we've been up to. Why it's been a while. Why it's been a while. Yeah. We also needed a bit of a break, I think, not from each other, clearly. <laughs> we don't even hang out. <laughs> I know. So not from each other, more so from recording and just being able to focus on you know, me time, holiday, and all the crazy things that are happening in our lives. So now we're back together, even though Karen's just announced that she's going to be leaving us. We want to not focus. leaving the show though. Not she's leaving the show. From London. Yes. We have to get a hologram of you somehow, maybe. Um, That's totally possible. Get AI to replace. <laughs> yeah, we we'll just go. What is it? We're going Deep to fake. the gaming gaming world. I'm just going to upload all of the stuff you've said so far, and then the AI can then yeah. just generate new content. So. We're going to kick into what is imposter syndrome. We're going to talk a little bit more about level setting on what that is. And I guess the reason why we want to talk about it is personally, I think we've all experienced elements of imposter syndrome. We want to unpack what it means, what it feels like. And so we're going to run through from our side what it looks like, but I'm going to throw it over to Tina to probably run through her experience first. Yeah, I like to think that imposter syndrome is something that's kind of like the shadow in the workplace. I feel like we experience it ourselves. We've seen it in other people. I think we were all moving into, you know, like this, maybe like the middle phase of our career now. We're not early career anymore and we're starting to also mentor and coach other people and I think that's quite common. I remember the first time I ran this workshop. So at work, we have this workshop called I Am Remarkable and we run it for external parties as well. And there's one stat in there that really stuck with me, which was, and this was the research that was done in 2014. So there might have been, you know, improvements or changes to that. But I remember looking at that stat, it was something along the line of, when women feel like they're, I think 40 or 60% of women wouldn't go for a job when they think they're not 100% sure or ready for it. Whereas men is the opposite, right? If you throw a challenge at a man, he'll be like, well, yeah, I'm not ready for the job, but I'll just take it. I'll go for it. And then I'll learn on the job. Whereas a lot of women potentially will feel like they have to know everything about a job to be able to deliver. And that kind of got me thinking about my own career in a lot of instances where maybe I was in a new job and I feel like I I was not qualified to say something mm. in a meeting because I just feel like, well, well actually oftentimes I'm the only female in the room, you know, back in the day was the youngest in the room most of the time. And so I just feel like I just don't have the authority to speak sometimes, but you know, whether that's right or wrong, having that belief in myself to to know that I, I'm there for a reason, I'm in a job for a reason, and I have things to add to that, I have knowledge and expertise. I think that's come over time with experience, but it was not easy in the beginning of my career. And so I just wanna make sure that going forward, that doesn't stop me from going for the opportunities or making contribution in the workplace, just because I feel like I'm not qualified, I'm not ready. What does it feel like for you, Karen? I think quite similar. I think for me also is that actually now that it's more mid-career when I'm like coaching or mentoring those that are a bit more early in career at that stage, 
I can just see the difference between a early in career that's a, a girl and a guy. Mm. Yeah, big differences. I'm not saying that like guys absolutely have imposter syndrome as well. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. But I definitely feel that the girls tend to experience that I must be good enough or I know this need to know everything mentality before going for something. Whereas even like, I think I've been quite lucky in the workplace because I've had great people that have mentored me that I look up to peers as well that are really openly talk about pay, whether they should get promotion, like qualifications for jobs. And for me, I found that actually having that network around just being open and talking about it is actually really helpful with combating imposter syndrome because I think that if I were to like suffer in silence or experience it for myself I would have so many more questions and doubts and absolutely I think for me as well I would think about okay I need to be at 90% before I deserve this ask that I'm about to make Whereas like I've seen some guys that are like, I've been working this job for six months. I'm going to go ask for a pay rise. And I'm like, buddy. (laughs) You haven't been here for a minute. (laughs) But like, I just really admire that they just have that self-belief and self-confidence to do that. Yeah. And I just wish it is ballsy and bold. And I wish that like more like myself was like that. More women were like that because then you just underestimate yourself a bit less. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's always that balance of feminine and masculine energy that that we all have to balance out on, okay, well, doing something like that, if a woman did, that's like masculine. But really it's rightfully so, go get what you deserve. Yeah, that term of like aggressive versus assertive, it's like – might be viewed as being aggressive when actually they're just trying to assert themselves. Mm. Like that Mm. term I've heard a lot, you know. Yeah, the other thing as well, I was listening to a podcast with Trini Goodall. So she has her, so very interesting story of how she went from being a commodity trader in London, was a drug addict, then became clean and then she then moved into like a media career and then now she's got her own sort of makeup brand mm. and she was talking about like imposter syndrome is almost like having that misalignment between who you are inside and who you portray to the world because mm. you don't feel that you can actually safely align those two and so you put up an image to the world mm. so a lot of time like when I listened to that I thought back about when I was early in the career like a lot of time I did feel really anxious inside because I feel like I didn't know enough but then outside, I still had to act like I knew things. Whereas now, I think with more experience and a bit more time in the corporate world, you realize that it's okay to say you don't know. Yeah. And luckily, I think for all of us that we work in tech, and so it's more of like a, an open environment where you probably feel like it's okay to say, I don't know sometimes, and people will still back you or they understand. And, you know, you can go away and learn and come back more confident. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the time the imposter syndrome is that you have an image to maintain or portray and that doesn't sit well with you because inside you deep down don't believe that you are that person. Yeah. Also, like I have a good friend of mine who recently started and co-founded a business Mm. with a business partner who is male. 
Mm. And I think that they have a fantastic working like relationship as well. They're really good and they've done amazing things since starting their business six months ago. But she also was like to me in those moments of doubt, she has said, oh, I feel like I'm not bringing enough to the table. Mm. Sometimes I'm like, I wish you could see what I saw in you. You're doing so amazing. Like he probably brings things that you view are gaps, Mm. but you probably also fill in the gaps that he has. Mm. And that's why this like partnership works. But it's really interesting that like, like you said, outside, like you see this perspective of them internally they might be having those thoughts right and if anything it makes it feel very human to have those emotions and feelings because everyone goes through that and yeah we were going to talk about that in maybe later in the episode but how you deal with that how you view it and how you make it your motivation and not something that will weigh you down is more important being in sales as everyone knows i've been in sales for a long time right is sales is typically a male-dominated industry Mm. it it doesn't matter whether it's in tech or insurance or retail whatever and so I think if I go back 10-15 years there's that element of competing with them Mm. trying to be as good as them yeah overachieving just Mm. as much as they have Mm -hmm. but also He's such a boss. He goes in there and he negotiates deals and he comes out with whatever millions of dollars, etc. I can do that too. Yeah. I think there was a stage in my life where I was competing with that a yeah. lot. But now I'm like, I can do that. I've done it. And so when I think about my career and the experience that I've noted down that might have been a bit imposter syndrome is probably where – I fear the customer won't like the product or they don't think it's good enough. And let's say it's a demo Mm. and you want to do a really good demo, right? Because if you do a good demo, it means they're going to buy it. Mm. But then when you lose and even though you've done a good demo, but, you know, you don't know what your competitors are doing as well. Mm. I think that for me it's that element of, people pleasing wanting Mm. to do a good job not wanting to let the team down Mm -hmm. not wanting to let my own kpis down Mm -hmm. not wanting to let like my manager down when i'm forecasting for example to say oh that you know we lost it to our competitor etc yeah Mm. so i think for me it's really that element of people pleasing yeah Mm. and it's i think it's only fair right like if, if you're a salesperson you know how stressful it is to be in a forecast call and you know quarter on quarter if you're not delivering is a very stressful experience but to the point before Jules about competing with you know male colleagues in a maybe like male dominated sort of jobs or professions two points there one is I think when I first started sales and I've you know it's been four years now when I moved into a sales career but when I first started I always looked at you know my maybe my male colleagues or people have done the job for longer than me and I was like that's a gold standard I should you know behave that way I should sail mm-hmm. that way that's how I should position myself but now with experience again I know that I have my own style of selling I have my own methodology my own approach to how I build relationships with my customers and so 
I don't feel the need to compete with them anymore. I don't feel the need to do exactly what they do anymore. And I have my own, maybe even more feminine approach to selling. Mm-hmm. I would even say that. And then also maybe a bit contentious, but I feel like sometimes because the audience that we're selling to in the tech world is also very male-dominated. Yeah. It almost feels like a guy could do my job better than me just because you know, on some level, they mm. probably would relate to the customer better mm. or they could get along to with the customer better. So mm. I think so it's just them. look at your results mm. and the numbers will speak for itself. It doesn't matter if you're a man, a woman, non-binary, whatever you identify as, etc. But the point is you have this, you got this regardless and you can do it. Mm. So that's, I think, the mentality. We'll move on to the next topic of our discussion, which is all around the types of imposter syndrome and what they look like so that you can essentially identify them when you're feeling it or experiencing it. Karen, do you want to talk through that? I actually found it really interesting looking into this because I don't think that I thought about it in a characterization way. But science has done the research for us and they've broken it down to five key types of imposter syndrome. So I don't know, when you're listening to this, maybe you'll feel that you identify with one in particular. I think that you can be a combination of them, to be honest. Mm. When I was going through Mm. this, I was like, I'm a bit of uh, everything sometimes, (laughs) depends on the situation. But the first one is called the perfectionist. And this type of imposter syndrome involves believing that unless you are absolutely perfect, you could have done better. Mm -hmm. And it tends to make your, because you have perfectionistic traits, make you believe that you're not as good as others might think you are. Mm. And I feel like that is, you know, the characters that say that they're perfectionists. I know I myself had done that before. I think that this is kind of the category that they, they fall into. And I think if we look at perfectionism, a lot of people that I know that are perfectionists, they are attention to detail. Mm. They will sit there and ensure, for example, a presentation is aligned to the T, colors, whatever, right? And making sure that, let's say, that slide is perfect before we present it. And sometimes that's hindering. And in this case, it's somewhat hindering because you can do something that would normally take you, let's say, eight hours because you're being a perfectionist and you could just, you could have done that in half an hour Mm, as an example. That reminds me, I saw a clip, I can't remember where, but... The lady was saying, someone out there, some idiot out there who's a lot less qualified than you is doing a mediocre job at what you want to do and they're doing it anyway and you're just sitting here thinking about it, planning and never actually doing it. So progress. Have you girls ever spent like 30 minutes trying to 
write an email reply. Yep. And then you read and, <laughs> and then you reread on it. How, how raging I am inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I reread it and you're like, okay, wait, let me calm down first before I see yeah. that. Or like, how should I structure this? I've done that before. And I swear that could have been done in like five minutes. Well, yeah. now you got chat GPT. And you know, I have actually <laughs> been using that. I've been using that to say, hey, can you give me a structure? Yeah. And then it's actually been really helpful. Is so. it not part of Copilot? Yeah, we're definitely part of Copilot. Copilot. Don't put your enterprise information into JetGPT, everyone. (laughs) It's like more like, how can I write an email to complain to the council about these council rates? (laughs) (laughs) Nah, yeah. So that definitely have followed it to some degree. The second type is called the expert. So that this is someone who feels failure for a minor lack of knowledge. So this happens when they feel like there is more for them to learn. They don't feel as if they've reached that rank of quote unquote being an expert. And so I feel like I've definitely felt that when I've felt that it has been my job to know a particular thing in tech, Mm -hmm. but I think over the years, I've just been like, instead of trying to know it, like I'll know it to like the depth that I feel like I should, but anything more, I'm probably not the best person to talk to about this. Like, let me bring in an expert who actually does know. Mm -hmm. And in that scenario, it's more like, it's okay to say I don't know. And this is not actually my job to be the expert, but I know the person that can actually help you who is actually the expert and i think it's also okay to be like hey i don't know let me go find out yeah yeah not you know in your instance around bringing in the experts but if it's also your remit it's fine for you to not yeah for you to not know yeah and it's authenticity right whether you know the answer or not it's fine like whether you can be you can own up to it and be well I know that I know it, but I can do something about it or can get someone else to help me. Yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of how we look at imposter syndrome is maybe the authenticity of how you show up versus how you feel inside as well. Yeah. And you can say things like, and I use it all the time, hey, I haven't come across this one before. Let me check in on that one for you. Typical sales object, object to, handling. Yeah, you <laughs> don't have to handling. be like, oh, by the way, I don't know the answer. <laughs> you just do it in a way where it's like, hey, I'm helping you out. I'm going to go find out. Yeah, and it's true. Yeah. Fine so, line fun. between fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> and that. I have seen some people very good at faking it till you make it. Oh, we've seen a lot, haven't we? Yeah. 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 So, and that's like when I see that, I'm like, I wonder what it's like to be like them. <laughs> there's lack of expertise and there's wanting to go and find out and do the right thing. And then there's also laziness. So this is not what we're talking about. Yeah. We're not talking about that's that. That's true. Not just saying it for the sake of it and never getting back to yeah. your, like, to own someone. Up, be accountable. Yeah. Own up. If you said you're going to go find out, and that's, you know, another, probably another topic about sales and building credibility and trust with people as well. So anyway. Yeah. All right. The third one is called the natural genius. And as the name suggests, this particular type will feel like a fraud simply because they don't believe they are naturally intelligent or competent and you would potentially see this they feel like this if they don't get something right the first time Mm -hmm. or it takes them longer to master a skill and that what makes them feel like a an imposter because 
they just feel like they aren't immediately knowledgeable in that space. So. And that's just, I think that's a sad, somewhat sad component that we go through that because we all learn so differently. Yeah. We all take in information so differently. Like, you know, someone else might be very detail-orientated and love absorbing information in words, in reading. And then you get someone who's a visual learner who won't be able to quickly just read and understand immediately. They have to actually draw it out, think about it and go, okay, this is how this works. Got it. Now I get it. So I think it's somewhat sad that we go through that process in our minds, that level of anxiety. Yeah. And like you said, people learn differently too. Like yeah. You can't just go and expect yourself to know everything. Like no. not natural genius. Yeah. I'd be working I mean, I wish I was. I wish I was one. That would be nice. Yeah. The fourth one is called the soloist. And this person would feel like an imposter if they had to ask for help to reach a certain level or status since they couldn't get there on their own. Mm. So they questioned their competence and abilities. Wow. Okay. This one hit a bit hard. Really? <laughs> Recently, I've been much better at asking for help, maybe more in personal life. But also, I think with it, like at work, I've been talking to my manager about getting feedback. So I feel like this is something that I noticed about myself this year is that last year I was doing a few courses and this year I sort of didn't really do any new courses. I haven't really learned any new skills or anything. So I You're just busy feel in like Europe I'm, though. Yeah, I feel like I'm just <laughs> stagnating a little bit. And so, you know, I was talking to my manager about getting feedback and all that. And I feel like part of it as well is, you know, getting input from other people around you, whether it's feedback, whether it's getting some help. It really does help because, you know, like a lot of things, and I think Brene Brown put it perfectly, which is, you know, when you give words to shame and guilt, they can't, they don't have room to live. So if you are struggling with something or if you're needing help and you can go out and say to a colleague or a friend, I can really use your help with something, it kind of put that imposter syndrome anxiety away, mm. I feel. Mm. Well, you almost have to deal with it head to head in a way. And the last one is the super person. And this is believing that you must be the hardest worker or reach the highest levels of achievement possible. And if you don't, you are a fraud. Yeah. Yeah. There's a level of trauma here. Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I feel like this is almost like you're never enough and you have to constantly prove yourself. Yeah. That conquering Definitely mentality. some sort of trauma behind this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Asian upbringing trauma. I think we can me. all we relate there for sure. <laughs> like even when I first got into tech, I'm like, oh my god, I don't understand the technology and how mm. it all hangs together. And oh my god, like I wish I could get it, and like the penny just wouldn't drop. No. And then it just took forever for the penny to drop. I'm like, oh, get it now, right? Okay. Yeah. What's cloud? What's cloud? Yeah. Well, those are the five. So. You might feel like you're a combination of a few of them. Yeah, and I think definitely they all play into each other in a way. We were doing a bit of research for this podcast episode and the four come uh, there's the four Ps of imposter syndrome, which is perfectionism, paralysis, people pleasing and procrastination. And I, I find it quite true, right? Like it and it makes sense as well. If you're a perfectionist and you're looking at something and you're like oh I need to find a way to do it perfectly otherwise I wouldn't do it 
then you wouldn't start it at all and you just sit in this limbo not knowing what to do with it and then you're like procrastinating because well I'm not going to touch it I'm not going to start anything until I find a perfect way to do it whereas Jules what were you saying before like progress over progress over perfectionism so actually do something about it Mm. create an action and go do rather than dwelling on is it perfect yet have I finish and then taking hours and hours or if you don't know go hire someone to coach you you know if you're not great at marketing go hire someone to do the marketing for you Mm. that will save you so much time rather than you dwelling over it you're actually taking action so that's actually better progression than what you were doing before right yeah Yeah. and the people pleasing aspects is quite interesting as well because you touched on that before i did yeah Mm. it's interesting because we've all kind of gone through it one way or another Mm. people pleasing is i think maybe and we're going deep here guys stems on how we're brought up Mm. our childhood everything relates back everything relates it does why drew sounds like you've been to therapy (laughs) (laughs) self-awareness is yeah i think it's good to know right that that's how you are and that's what you like to do yeah that you want to be liked maybe you were an only child or whatever childhood trauma you might have but it does come out in the anxiety that you might get at work Mm. or when we call it anxiety but it's the dwelling the ruminating Mm. like you don't have to you can kind of just go you know what i can do it it's fine give it a crack and then see what happens Yeah. yeah and the rumination and anxiety i think which is a big part of imposter syndrome well at least for myself if i'm being anxious about something and I just can't make up my mind between option A or B. Sometimes the action bias to just make a decision and just go down that path yeah. and not even look back. I agree. Bias mm. for action. And you know what? I found that has actually led to things simply because you're doing, you're just creating more opportunity. Yeah, more opportunity you're manifesting yeah. your yeah. way yeah. to something. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because like even when with my new job, right, I definitely had those thoughts about like, oh, I don't think I am qualified yet to approach these people but I've just found that like once you do something then there's like more options off the back of that you never know what's going to happen yeah yeah you never know and that's the thing when I talk about the whole progression versus perfectionism is doing Mm. and getting a result out of that and if the result you deem a failure because the only person you fail is yourself really that's the the banner you put on yourself to win, right? So you really only fail within yourself. Mm. But if you are going to fail and make a mistake, do it fast. Yeah. Figure it out. Learn and go, okay, mm. oh, shit, right, that didn't work out. Cool, let me try this. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Did it, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. fine. I think we're almost moving into how to manage imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. So in this next segment, we're going to talk about how you can, you know, how you can perceive imposter syndrome in a more positive light and how you can make it work for you and some of the strategies that you can use to turn it into somewhat of a propeller to help you move forward because I think imposter syndrome can be actually a motivation for a lot of people. Yeah. So let me put it out there, imposter syndrome You don't have it. It doesn't exist. (laughs) Who cares? Move on. 
Well, I guess <laughs> to some people it can be paralyzing. Yeah. So. And I think it helps that they can identify what it yeah. is. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is also let's just not put a label on it. Yeah. And call it imposter syndrome and just be like, oh shit, that that piece of there's a piece of me that's feeling mm. anxiety or depression or whatever you want to call it about doing a particular thing. Yeah. Let me just try and do it mm. and see what happens yeah. rather than going, oh, fuck, it's my imposter syndrome coming yeah. up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Self-limiting belief. Yes. A lot of time I think we look at anxiety or any negative emotions at all in quite a <laughs> negative way. But it doesn't have to be because sometimes it's your body sending you signals as to what you need to pay attention to. So if something is coming up, whether you're going, you're wanting to go for a promotion, you wanted to apply for a new job, you want to put your hand up for a new project or you have an idea that you want to put forward and you feel anxious, that's just your body telling you that's an area you need to pay attention to. And maybe, you know, part of it is just, going for it and start to action on it and then that anxiety will start to just you know go away and you know become your motivation almost is that how you would make it work for you yeah i think so i i think over the years i've learned to kind of look at anything that makes me anxious as almost like not like an alarm bell but you know when you have a system and something is going not so well that the red light comes up so i'm like that's my red light to now look at what is it that's making me anxious? Mm. Recognition. Mm. Awareness. Yeah. yeah. Of when it like surfaces and how to deal with it. I think that's always a good. But sometimes it's harder to do. Easier said than done, right? Like It's so hard to identify and accept that it is what it is. Yeah. And I think, I mean, all of those things, you know, what Tina's described there is to put that positive spin where you can. I know sometimes it can be really freaking hard. Mm. It's not easy. But there's this thing I learned about positive affirmations and focusing on the above and below the line types of behaviors and attitude. And I know like it's probably putting too much of a marketing spin on (laughs) attitude and behavior. But if we think about above the line types of thinking is making like doing something and actually making a choice. So Tina mentioned before, like, okay, well, that bias for action, that's above the line type of behavior, keeping yourself accountable. You know, she talked about feedback previously and getting feedback from a manager, et cetera, and appears that's all above the line type of behaviors. If we think about what's below the line, it's I'm the victim. I can't do this. I'm going to do nothing about mm. it. I'm going to just find some sort of fault I'm going to just see this as a failure and then dwell and make it worse in my own head. So Mm. you want to always try. I mean, you know, you're going to have good and bad days, but you want to try in your thinking and processing to always be at the optimus stage because if we're always living below the line, oh, my God, like how depressing would Mm -hmm. your world be? I feel like it's almost like you're – regaining of control like control what is within your sphere of influence Mm. rather than like wallowing in what you can't really change as well so maybe if we can put all the things we just talked about into a few simple steps right so 
for example, the next time that you feel anxious at work because you feel like, well, maybe I'm not good enough for a promotion or a new project. Or if you feel like you're not living up to expectations or you're having self-doubt or you you just deliver a project and you're like, oh, I wish I did it differently or I wish I did better. Or you just feel disappointed because maybe you deliver a presentation didn't get perceived very well. Or you're just sitting in a room and you're like, well, what do I know to contribute to this meeting? Mm. Then I think the first step you need to do is to acknowledge that and say, well, is that imposter syndrome creeping in? Or do I need a bit of motivation to kind of move to the next phase of my career? Just kind of sit down with yourself to do a bit of a stock take to fully understand the emotions you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And then the second step is maybe what Jewel said before, where you have to go below the line and dig a bit deeper and say, well, is this a pattern? Like, have I come across a scenario before where I feel like this every time a new opportunity comes up? And then think about, well, was there anything in your childhood or previous experience that kind of make you, yeah, that's triggering or make you feel like a victim or make you feel disempowered and then from there you kind of go into choose an action something very small something that will break you out of that cycle of feeling anxious and self-doubt to starting to action and starting to go down a path Mm. what i've learned from listening to that is the key is to take action yeah to just go do and that'll help a lot with overcoming the feels. Yeah, and ask for help. Yeah, Like as we said before, it can feel lonely if you're sitting with all of that by yourself. But if you start to invite people in to give you feedback or help you with a skill or coach you, mm. then it starts to become not a thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, all of that said, I came across a quote a few years ago now at a yoga retreat And I love to actually read it out to everyone because I think it just captures the essence of it so well. And this is a quote by a paragraph actually from a book called A Return to Love, Reflections on the Principles of a Course in Miracles by Marianne Williamson. It goes, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are the child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about drinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Why do you like that quote, Tina? I just find that it flips it on the head, right? Because... I think that we all think that we are fearful of being inadequate, but actually maybe we're just afraid of our own power. And because of that, we're hiding part of ourselves. We're going for the narrative that we're not good enough or we're just, you know, it's just simply terrified to try something out. 
But actually, when you start to dig deeper and you start to take action, then you realize I have a lot to give. Mm. And by me living my truth and going on my path, I'm giving people around me the permission to do the same for them. Yeah. Well, I definitely like the quote personally and again personally. I would just take the, for me, the religious element out yeah. purely because I'm not, but that's 100%. again personal. You were going to say that. <laughs> I was got, if you guys, let, if you girls gave me the chance to even say, I was going to say, I am not religious and I believe in a higher power. I wouldn't say it's God or whatever I call the universe. So I think replace the word God with universe or whatever you think the higher power is. I think it still applies because yeah, I mean, look, the quote is still yeah. a beautiful and a empowering quote, given however you want to take it, you know. So thank you, Tina. That's awesome. We're gonna do something fun, really quickly to close okay. out. When I was in New York, I picked up a deck of by herself that was it's called Affirmators, and it was you know it's an equivalent to a self-help book but in card formation okay that's doesn't involve lots of reading however i thought it'll, it'll be kind of fun in this context because we're talking about well if imposter syndrome is really just our minds and we just need to take action let's end it on a good note yeah with some positive affirmations and just by picking a card this. and we'll read this out yeah okay. just for our listeners as well so the the cover of the stack of cards got a very gleeful rabbits riding a unicorn on a rainbow <laughs> i love so it if that doesn't make quick. you feel good about yourself and yeah. you know i don't know what would well, I felt good <laughs> when i bought it i was like that might be cool. So which one are you? Are you the rabbit? Are you the unicorn? Are you the rainbow? I'm the rainbow, thank you. I'm the, <laughs> I'm rainbow. the unicorn. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a card. All right. So Karen, you can go Yeah, you can go first and just read right. it out it's and got just cute pictures on it. Too. This is like angel cut reading. I know, like a mini tarot session but not. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Orange. Oh, mine's okay, like, Karen, do you want oh, to read yours out? Okay, this is really interesting. Okay, so mine has like a picture of like little Vikings on it, but instead of human beings, these Vikings are green circles, and I think that they're cells like in our bodies. So because the card is called Vitality, and it says, I am healthy and vital and strong, my radiant love of life fills me with healthy, vital, and strong cells. Each cell is a warrior. Everyone has its own sword and shield. I dare you to try and penetrate my cellular army. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think so, chump. Hilarious. I love it. <laughs> Bit random. Yeah. Tina, what have you got? You go first. Mine, mine first. Okay, mine's a... A person sitting on a bicycle and it says playfulness. Hmm. I am a playful participant in life and I always have the option to make something a fun game rather than a heavy burden. Mm. Mary Poppins put sugar in the medicine for a reason. The lady really knows how to party. That's oh. that's me. I'm going to party today, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Sunday. Oh, <laughs> All right, so I actually got two cards because the first one I picked up was a bonus card and it's a strength card, but I'll read that later. My affirmation card, it's got a pink background, a snake with a wrapper chain 
and a cap with flowers on his tails, giving it to a mouse. Just really <laughs> random okay. snake. Snake and mouse. A flower to a, okay. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if they're dating or whatever, but yeah. Well, well, typically the snake would eat the mouse, right? So Yeah, true. And then the, the snake is like a very hip-hop, like street kind of guy. And then the mouse is like a lady with a purse. I'm not sure what's we going on. We should do here. something on our Instagram with some of these images maybe yeah. so our listeners can see what we're on about. Yeah, we'll put it on the show note on Instagram. So story of my life. As I tell myself the story of what's happening in my life, I choose to make it the kind of story where even the tough parts have a sort of inner beauty. It's ultimately a happy story where every character, no matter how wicked, is doing their best. And let me tell you, it will be worth it when I earn that Pulitzer Prize for best in the monologue. And then the bonus card, we say strength. You are hereby declared a strong, resilient warrior of heroic proportions. Enjoy your battles, whatever they are, because you're guaranteed to come through them stronger, brighter, and more compassionate. And based on what I know of mythology, probably with great hair and a six-pack. Wow. (laughs) So the message behind all of it is to manifest I think it's to manifest positivity Mm. no matter what you're going through in your life and just enjoy life and, you know, at the end of the day, if you have imposter syndrome or you think you have it, there's always a way of combating it and looking at it differently and benefiting from those learnings. Mm. So we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode on imposter syndrome. We hope you've been able to at least come out of that thinking differently with a different perspective. And if you notice you have it, well, you've got the strength and the skills and you know that everyone of us all has it one way or another. It's just about how do we look at it differently? Yeah. Beautiful. Everyone, this is the last episode of our season one and it has been an amazing journey, but we will be back. Tell us what you want to hear next as well as we are working on season two. If you have enjoyed episodes and find it helpful, we hope that you would leave us a comment on Instagram, share, subscribe, and also review us as well on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You've been listening to Let's Let's Take Take It It Offline. Offline.